Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I say this calls for action, and now, nip it in the bud. Well, what I do is uh, I look a woman up and down, and I say, Hey, how you doing? And I hope you're doing well, everybody. This is Jim McCarrens with The Good, The Bad, and The TV on the Believe Podcast Network. It's the number one podcast network for professionals. Let's believe in the good, the bad, and the TV. The year is 1971. The year when Apollo 14 lifts off for America's third moon landing. When the 6.5 Silmar quake rocks L.A. and kills 64 people. When, for some reason... Evil Knievel jumps 19 cars in Ontario, California, when Starbucks is founded in Washington State, when the Pentagon Papers are published in the New York Times, when Jim Morrison and Dwayne Allman are found dead four months apart, when Intel releases the first microprocessor, the Intel 4004, when Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is a hit movie, when on one day, a half million people converge on the nation's capital to protest the Vietnam War. And when one of the most popular songs of the year, providing a musical backdrop for all of it, is a radio jingle for a soft drink. A radio jingle for a soft drink that becomes a social anthem. It's called I'd Like to Buy the World a Coke. And it's born of an off-the-cuff idea from Bill Backer, an executive at Coca-Cola's ad agency. It comes to him during an unexpected layover of his London-bound flight, during which he takes note that free food and some free Cokes seem to be mollifying the disgruntled passengers. And after which he said to have written on a napkin the words, I'd like to buy the world a Coke and keep it company. Once finally in London, Backer shares the napkin and his thoughts with the British songwriters he's already there to meet and brainstorm with, and who after some of that brainstorming, shape the concept, write some lyrics, turn to and adapt an existing melody of theirs to fit them, and come up with the jingle that British group The New Seekers then records. Truth be told, the brainstorming actually involves one of the songwriters initially expressing misgivings about what he feels is a trite concept, saying to Backer, look, if I could do something for everybody in the world, it would not be to buy them a Coke. It's only after the ad exec asked him what he would do. His response is, I'd buy everybody a home and share with them in peace and love. To which Backer follows, that sounds good. Let's write that and I'll show you how Coke fits right into the concept that the whole idea comes together. Either way, a jingle is born. Note, the slogan, Coke, it's the real thing, is already around at this point, having been introduced in 1969. Anyway, hitting American airwaves in early 1971, the commercial is so catchy that listeners begin to phone into their radio stations requesting it. Requesting a commercial, that is, for its music. In short order, the ad agency decides to draft off the buzz by producing a TV spot, too. It's shot on location outside Rome and Manzanilla at a cost of $250,000, the most expensive commercial in advertising history. It features scores of young faces, reflecting all parts of the globe, lip-syncing the radio jingle's earnest wish to buy the world a Coke and keep it company. In each of the lip-syncers' hands, a bottle of Coca-Cola, the labels for which are seen printed in languages from around the world. 
I'd like to buy the world a home and furnish it with love. Grow apple trees and honeybees and snow white turtle doves. I'd like to teach the world to sing, sing with me. Referred to as Hilltop, the minute-long spot concludes with a helicopter shot looking down at now dozens of singers. Many people, one voice. A message appears on screen. It reads, On a hilltop in Italy, we assembled young people from all over the world to bring you this message from Coca-Cola bottlers all over the world. It's the real thing. Coke. Now, the goal is to sell soda, of course, and the words are 70s idealism overload. But a social protest zeitgeist of the day seems tapped with the commercial, and a call is made for unity, for harmony, with music, the building blocks. Assembled by a new and young and forward-looking generation, inheriting a slightly crumbling world. The right idea at the right counterculture moment, enhanced by a catchy tune, Hilltop hits the air in the summer of 1971 and becomes one of the most talked about commercials on television. Everyone, everywhere, is watching for it, talking about it, and singing its refrain. How crazy does it all get? So crazy that the powers that be decide to expand it into a full-length song for radio airplay. Three verses added, brand references removed. I'd like to buy the world a Coke becomes I'd like to teach the world to sing. Recorded and released as a single, twice, by two different groups, in the same few months, both of which chart. The first version comes from a group of unknowns assembled for the studio when the new seekers balk at the idea of recording the tune. Christened the Hillside Singers, their version reaches Billboard's top 15. The second version comes from the new seekers themselves who change their minds when they see how successful the song is becoming. It charts in the top 10, selling 96,000 copies in a single day on its way to a total of more than 7 million. 7 million copies. It begs this trivia alert. Reports are that Coca-Cola Company waives royalties to the song, instead donating $80,000 to UNICEF. How's that for being socially conscious? Or at the very least, corporately brilliant? Whether buying the world a Coke or teaching it to sing, both the commercial and the resulting singles find alignment in an age of Aquarius a national movement of young people in the turbulent late 60s and early 1970s, calling for peace to guide the planets and love to steer the stars. It joins a revolutionary canon that includes Sly and the Family Stone's Everyday People from 1968, Edwin Starr's War from 1969, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young's Ohio from 1970, Marvin Gaye's What's Going On and Cat Stevens's Peace Train from 1971, and its pleas for peace, its hope for unity, its demand for change. Sign of the Times. 
Age of the Aquarius slash Let the Sunshine In from the 1968 Born of the Same Movement counterculture musical Hair, but as recorded by The Fifth Dimension, is named Record of the Year in 1970. Music and young people are coming together to talk about what's real, man, to call for a world that stands for harmony and understanding with sympathy and trust abounding. And onto this particularly post-Kent State landscape, a TV commercial finds purchase, its music transformed into a siren call for change. Hilltop makes history, it becomes history. It's one of the advertising industry's most famous commercials ever. It's referred to, pointed to, for decades as marketing genius. It's a Madison Avenue totem. Says Variety TV critic Brian Steinberg in May of 2015, 41 years after its release, the commercial stands among the ranks of TV ads that transcended their sales pitch and became landmarks of American culture. Why 2015? Because in May of this year, the commercial enters the zeitgeist all over again, thanks to its reappearance in the very last episode of acclaimed ad biz drama Mad Men, the final seconds of which suggests that the I'd Like to Teach the World campaign comes from the mind of lead character advertising executive Don Draper, who's seen in the closing minutes meditating outdoors on a hilltop in his own search for peace. As the camera zooms in on his contemplative face, we see an idea forming. There's a knowing smile. And then the screen switches to the full 62nd 1971 commercial, which plays on screen as the series plays out. If Madman takes liberties with the facts, it's still to be saluted for celebrating both the commercial spirit and its legacy. It's call for peace, born of one man's vision. The one with the original vision, Bill Backer, dies a year later in May of 2016. But on the Coca-Cola website, as part of the company's long and storied history, he's on record, so to speak, reflecting on the campaign's roots, tracing to an airport on an otherwise uneventful day, when he looks around to notice that a soft drink is helping to make a layover better and to bring people together. In that moment, he says, I saw a bottle of Coke in a whole new light, more than a drink that refreshed. I began to see the familiar words, let's have a Coke, as a subtle way of saying, let's keep each other company for a little while. And I knew they were being said all over the world as I sat there. That was the basic idea, to see Coke not as it was originally designed to be, he says, not as a liquid refresher, but as a tiny bit of commonality between all peoples. Backer sees that that commonality is the real thing. I'm Jim McCarrens. We'll talk again. I'd like to build a world a home and furnish it with love. Grow apple trees
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.